So who are these visitors anyway? Anyone? I need some help here. Do you know their names? Gaspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. I hear it's not in the text. I'm sorry, Maggie. <laughs> what are they? Are they kings? No. Excellent. Do we know how many there are? Three? I hear some tentative threes. Even that, I'm sorry, is not in the text. <laughs> it's rough, I know. There's so much that we think we know about these wise men, these magi, these kings. It's, it's not there. Um, there are a lot of good stories and songs, but from the texts that we have, we know almost nothing about them. One of the very few things that is clear about them, not their names or where they came from or what they are or how many even there are, only three gifts, but... Maybe they were heavy, I don't know. Um, the, the one, of, one of the few things that we do know about them is that they studied. They have studied a lot, learned to pay attention to the world around them, to the signs of what is happening, what might be coming, so that they are moved to leave their homes and, and journey out looking for the reason for this wild star. When they finally arrive there, they don't begin with those three famous gifts. First, before anything else, they come and they pay homage. They see this infant and, and they are brought to their knees. In this baby's tremendous vulnerability, they recognize something far greater than themselves. One of the things that we do here again and again through this story is that they come to pay homage. Above all else, they are coming to pay homage to the baby Jesus. Homage is not something that we talk about very much, right? More often than not, uh, we, we hear this word translated in scripture as worship, which may seem more simple and is maybe actually even more ambiguous, but, but paying homage? We, we, we hear about it sometimes in, in the Oscars or the Grammys as, you know, tributes for lifetime achievement, but but this is something different. And so I, I wondered, and I went digging, and I've heard at least two people are glad to know that I went to the Oxford Compact Dictionary, which is so big and yet has such tiny print that you need a magnifying glass. It's fabulous. Um, and I looked at the roots of this odd word. What I found is that first off, paying homage has been historically about fealty, about recognizing power and then offering service. It was an act fit for a feudal system, being subservient to a king. But then following that definition, another meaning of paying homage is that it is an act of respect. Respect. 
of reverence. And specifically, it's a, it's a kind of worship that uses our whole bodies. It's a way of willfully giving ourselves over to something, to someone more powerful and wonderful than ourselves. And yet, here, it is all given to an infant. These wise ones embody this complete reversal of Herod's stance as they kneel, humbling themselves to honor this life. But we forget, I forget, again and again, we forget that this way of homage is the end to seek. I want to tell you about this past Christmas Eve, just, what, not quite two weeks ago? Back before the the candles, which were taller then, and the sheep, and the songs, all that, before that, on the morning of Christmas Eve, when I arrived, All Souls was a mess. I mean, literally, it was a mess. See, there was a series of miscommunications, and as it turned out, the church had not been scheduled to be cleaned between... Sunday services and, you know, the hundreds upon hundreds and more coming on Christmas Eve. This is sort of a bummer to discover on Christmas Eve morning. <laughs> Thankfully, soon after I discovered it, two uh, wonderful souls uh, showed up for a totally different project and set that aside. Uh, what, they went and found, you know, the push broom and the backpack vacuum and went to work, as you all do. It was a little frenzied, and I was not thinking a whole lot about why we were here, what we were getting ready for. I was running up and down those back staircases in the narthex when I heard I I was stopped by a knock at the door. I went, and there was a woman standing there at the glass door, a stranger, and I opened the door, and she explained to me that she wasn't going to be able to make it to services that night and wondered if she might just come in and pray for a little while in this space. I listened to that and then I turned and looked through the doors back into this space to hear the, you know, the sweeping of the push broom and the raking of chairs back into a new arrangement and kind of apologetically I explained to her that we were in the thick of preparations. It was not going to be a very peaceful spot, but sure. So she came in, and she came in to this pew and put the kneeler down and bowed her head and began to pray. And we continued. We we had to roll up this rug and bring that pew back over here and continued sweeping around and working on the space while she came and and spent time with Mary and Jesus in that icon. And then in taking in these stained glass windows around the space. It was a while later that I climbed 
very reverently up <laughs> onto the altar. Uh, it's actually part of our job sometimes. Uh, we had been praying with the plain wooden cross through Advent, expectantly waiting in that void, and it was time to switch back to this icon of Jesus, the Good Shepherd. So I was standing here and, and sweating and harried, and one of the All Soulsians handed up the icon to me, and I lifted it, first steadying it on my knees and then beginning to raise it higher and higher, when out of the corner of my eye, I looked, and I saw this woman who had come in to pray, and she was standing right here, undeterred, her, her feet planted and her hands clasped. And I realized that she was worshiping the one that I held. I was stopped dead in my tracks there on the altar teetering under the weight of this cross. I paused to remember what it was that we were doing here, what it was that we were getting ready to receive, and then slowly lifted it higher until it hung there. This woman's witness forced me to stop, to pause, and then to pay homage myself. My guess is that the scene in Bethlehem might have been chaotic for the Magi as well. Unsure at first if they were in the right place and then messy and loud animals and, and this baby, maybe a, a toddler by then. And in the midst of all that, they drop to their knees to pay homage. They show us that this is a practice to keep, a, a way that shapes how we live in the world. The Magi make this long journey to that end to pay homage. And I wonder if something about that act changes them. I wonder if taking all they have studied and then acting it out in their bodies, if this incarnate act, this kneeling in homage, I wonder if this helps pre prepare them to then use their bodies again to resist Herod's evil demands, to live by love instead. Our present echoes our scripture. Now, as then, the innocent suffer while leaders wrestle to hang on to their power. Today, too, the innocent are cast aside as pawns or collateral. 
just as Herod slaughtered the innocent, seeking to end Jesus. Children who came to this country seeking safety are living in tents apart from their parents, some dying without adequate medical care. Our native brothers and sisters are are held in this limbo right now as our government fights blocking them from receiving promised funding for critical services. Like the Magi, we come to these moments when we can choose to comply with these powers or not. And so here we are. There are plenty of reasons why we come together like this. There's probably as many reasons as people that are here why we worship. But for me, in part, it is because it transforms me. Because it becomes just a little bit easier to live justly when I start with homage. I'm convinced that we need to bring our bodies down to the earth before the great I am who is somehow contained in this baby. We need to name that we have nothing to give, really, besides our attention and our desire to receive this God among us. It's there, it's in that moment that we are transformed and sent out to return home by another road. We cannot enter into this incarnate prayer and leave the same way afterwards. In the Magi, we see a two-step dance. First, they pay homage, and then second, they choose another way into life. Our worship reminds us where real authority resides, where truth is to be found, and then sends us out to act. We practice this way of homage in order that we may make that holy choice, like the wise ones, when it is our time to stand face to face with the oppressor. And so here we are together. What will happen when we enter into this worship, pay homage, and come close to this God among us? How will we be changed if we practice recognizing true power and then offer service? How then will we choose to upend oppression, take another road, and create space for new life.